verse uh, thir- uh, 13, start in verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they had burned in a furnace, and his voice as a voice of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as in the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which uh, are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Uh, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Alright, last week uh, I think we covered verse 12, but I'll start there anyway. And uh, John, uh, he heard something. And the Bible said he turned to see the voice that spake uh, to him. Uh, And uh, you know what's easy to do? You can hear a voice before you see the person. That's what John did. He heard the voice and and then uh, he turned. Mary did that uh, when the Lord spoke to her at John 20. Uh, but uh, you can hear the voice, but to see who's speaking, you'll have to turn. And uh, that's the way of getting saved. Uh, you can hear the voice, but until you see him, you'll have to turn. I'm talking about repentance, turn. Uh, the Bible said, Jesus said, except you repent, you will likewise perish, he said. And uh, so he heard the voice. And uh, this is a d- description uh, of the way he describes Jesus here. He describes him just as a voice. Uh, same way John the Baptist is described as a voice crying in the wilderness. Same way in Genesis 3.9, uh, the Lord come walking through the garden and it said the voice of the Lord God. And uh, so, as we said last week, you can... You can stop the man. You can you can stop the man, but you can't you can't silence the voice. Now, the Bible, the voice is the word, and uh, you know you can. Uh, I could uh, I could die uh, today, and uh, that would stop me. But uh, the word's still going to be going on. It's still going to be uh still going to be the Word because the Bible said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And Isaiah 40 and verse 8, there in Isaiah 40 and verse 8, uh, said the grass withereth, the flower fadeth away, but the Word of our God abideth forever. And Matthew 24, 36, the Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word shall not uh, pass away. Uh, so John hears a voice there, and he turns to see who's speaking to him. 
And he said, When he turned in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, uh, Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, uh, again there we have that phrase there that he's called uh, the Son of Man. And uh, Jesus likes, likes to refer to himself as the Son of Man. He likes that better than the son of Abraham or the son of David. Uh, He likes to refer to himself as the son of man because Abraham refers to uh, a race only. Uh, David uh, refers to a family, but the son of man refers to all mankind. Over 80 times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. So we see... The garments the Lord Jesus is described in here uh, in verse 13 are priestly garments because He is our great high priest. And His ministry uh, now can be described in three ways. It is a ministry of intercession. Hebrews 7 verse 25, uh, the Lord uh, ever lives to make intercessions. Uh, it's a ministry of uh, uh, intervention, First John 2 and 1, he's our advocate. It's a ministry of inspection. As we see here, he's walking through the churches uh, to see uh, what he can see. Now, he says in this uh, uh, verse here that he is clothed with a garment down to his foot and girded about with, with the paps, with a golden girdle. Now, when we uh, look at that, we see a little thing here that is good to know about in the Bible. Now, you may already know what that word means, but this will work with other words that you don't know what it means. And this is something that uh, is, uh, is isolated mainly to the King James Bible uh, because a lot of other Bibles take words out. They add words. They change words. Uh, in that new King James Bible, I think it's over 60,000 uh, word changes apart. They'll tell you if you go to buy one, they'll say the only thing that changes here is the thee and the thou, but that's not true. There's over 60,000 word changes in that. But whenever you run up on a word in the Bible, King James Bible, uh, one of the things they like to fuss about is the archaic words in a King James Bible, words that we don't uh, use uh, in our language nowadays. But uh, the King James Bible has, uh, has within itself a built-in dictionary. And if you'll just keep looking at that word through the Scriptures, it'll finally tell you what it means. Example, uh, here he said that this thing was girded about the paps. Uh, so we go, uh, we'll go over to Luke's Gospel where we can find that word again in uh, Luke 23. Verse 27, he said, There followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. So he's talking about the breast. And so 
We know that this thing here, because the Bible defined it for us, it told us what it was. We know that this uh, this garment that he has on, uh, we know that he's girded about uh, with a golden girdle around around his breast. Uh, one thing I read said that uh, that when when it was wore up that high, that it meant that uh, that they were about to experience judgment. Well. We know that's what's fixing to happen in the book of the Revelation. We know that's uh, what's about to happen. Now, uh, it's good to know the... A lot of people say you don't need the Old Testament no more. Uh, A lot of people, all they use is the New Testament. Well, uh, there's all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament that have not yet been fulfilled. And then, there's over 200 references in the book of Revelations alone. There's over 200 references back to the Old Testament. So, if you didn't, if you didn't know your Old Testament or if you didn't uh, use the Old Testament, there'd be no way you'd be able to understand the book of Revelations because there's over 200 references back to that. Uh, so, uh, it's important, uh, it's important that uh, uh, we know not only the Old Testament, but we also know uh, know the New Testament. Uh, someone said it's been said many times, and it's a good saying. But the the Old Testament is a New Testament concealed, but the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. That's a good saying. Uh, that's a good saying. A lot of things in the Old Testament that without the New Testament we could never understand them. They're just hinted at. They're types. They're shadows. But in the New Testament, we get the substance of it, of the real thing. Okay, uh, we see here, uh, verse 14, uh, the Bible uh, says there in verse 14 of Revelations that uh, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes as a flame of fire. Now the last time that John saw Jesus, he was hanging on a cross and he was he had he was dead. He they had crucified him, he had breathed his last breath, he had commended his spirit unto the Father, and he was dead. And John and Joseph Arimathea was going to go get the body of Jesus and take it down from the cross. So the last time he saw Jesus he was uh, he was uh, limp and lifeless and probably pale. But now John sees him and he sees him completely different. A lot of times I've been to the funeral home and walk up to view a loved one there of somebody or my own and and uh, somebody make the statement say, don't they look good? And a lot of times I make the statement, yeah, but they'll look better the next time you see them. And, uh, and that's true. Uh, just like Jesus, he looks completely different, and uh, and we will look completely different in our glorified bodies. Uh, but here we see the Lord, and and uh, we notice that it's going to describe a lot of things about the Lord here, as we look into it here in a minute. But it makes no description of his face, no description of his face. I mean, it talks about the eyes, but no description of his face. And really, uh, we all have seen paintings of Jesus and uh, 
They may have paintings of Jesus, uh, but really nobody knows what Jesus really looked like. Uh, the Lord never did allow him to be painted. And probably the reason is is so is because that uh, it would be an image and it would it'd be like breaking the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not worship any graven images. And a lot of people do that now. Uh, a lot of people worship a picture of Jesus. They pray to a picture of Jesus uh, now. Uh, but Paul said that we've known Him after the flesh, but he said we don't know Him after the flesh no more uh, because He's not in the flesh anymore. He's in a glorified body. Uh, of course, He was perfect when He was here, uh, but now He has a, uh, a perfect glorified body. No pictures of the face. You see all different uh, things and you'll notice a lot of times that uh, if the painting is, uh, is uh, from uh, Afri- African Americans or whatever, they'll have Jesus black. Uh, if it's American, they'll have Him white. Uh, whatever the race is, they usually make Him like their race. And uh, that's because everybody sees Him as whatever they are. But we ain't really never seen the Lord. We know He's a Jew. Uh, we know He looks so much like a, uh, an everyday Jew that uh, Judas had to kiss Him to identify Him because they didn't know which one He was uh, because He looked like the Jews. And we have seen pictures of the Jews and so we know kind of what they look like. Uh, but uh, we don't really know what the face of Jesus looks like. But I do know this. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 3, it said, uh, Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons of God. Do it not yet appear what we shall be, but when He appears, we shall see Him as He is. And so one day we're going to see Jesus as He is. Uh, But here uh, we see Him and uh, the way John describes Him as He sees Him here. He said his hair is said to be white like wool, as white as snow. Uh, this is a phrase uh, found also in Isaiah 1 and 18 where the Bible talks about our sins and he says our sins can be as white as snow, he says. And uh, so uh, we know that, uh, that in the Old Testament uh, we know that uh, someone described as what uh, what John's describing here is called in the Old Testament the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days. Uh, over in the book of Micah, uh, I think it's chapter 5 in the book of Micah. Uh, Micah 5, talking about the Lord, verse f- uh, 2, said, But thou Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel whose going forth has been from old and uh, from everlasting. That's talking about Jesus. Uh, said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And he said his coming forth was of old. In other words, he'd been around before he got here. And, uh, and he said that he's everlasting, he says. Uh, so uh, we look at that and he says, uh, he gets moves on down as he looks at him in verse uh, 15. 
And he said his feet were like unto fine brass as they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Alright, brass in the Bible represents what? Brass in the Bible. Have I been with you so long and you still don't know? Brass in the Bible is judgment. It's always judgment. So how you know that? Well, don't you remember when the Numbers 21, when them snakes went and they bit all the people? What kind of serpent did he tell him to make? Brass, brazen. Uh, so brass in the Bible... Uh, always has to do with judgment. Silver in the Bible always has to do with what? Redemption. Uh, redemption. First Peter one nineteen. The Bible said, "For we are not redeemed with such things as silver and gold." But in the Old Testament, when you read it, when they'd come to uh, to pay for their sins or whatever, they'd bring a certain amount of silver, a certain amount of things they'd have to bring. I just read that. Uh, this morning there in the book of Exodus. Uh, so uh, so he sees the Lord here, and his feet are like fine brass. Uh, fine brass, uh, instead of just saying brass, he said fine brass. Fine brass would have had to go through the hottest fire that there could be. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus that went through the raft of God on the cross of Calvary for your sins and my sins, uh, the greatest judgment that could ever be placed on anybody, the sins of the whole world. He was suffering for them there on the cross. And so it said His feet were like fine brass. But now these feet which have passed through the judgment for sinners, they passed through the judgment in our place. He took our judgment. Uh, he died in our place. Uh, we won't. If you're saved tonight, you won't have to be judged for your sins at the great white throne judgment because He's already paid for your sins. And you accepted that. Now you will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, but you won't be there to be judged whether or not you're going to be good enough to go to heaven. Uh, whether if your good works outweigh your bad works, and the scale tips in your favor, then you get to go to heaven. Majority of the world believes that way. Uh, majority of the world believes that uh, if their good works outweigh their bad works, that they'll one day get to go to heaven. The devil has deceived the whole world. Uh, the only way you and I can go to heaven and balance the scales is if we get off the scales and Jesus takes our place. Uh, that's the only way that the scale is going to be balanced in our favor. So those feet that went through the fire for the judgment for sinners so that they could be saved, they will now bring judgment uh, here to this world. Amen. First Peter 4.17 said judgment must begin at the house of God. So the first thing that's going to happen before judgment comes to the world through the tribulation the first thing that's going to happen in chapter 4 after the rapture of the church, uh, somewhere between chapter 4 and chapter 6, judgment must begin at the house of God. It must begin at the church. 
So before God judges the world and the tribulation, He's going to judge the church at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, He's going to judge us first during that seven year period. That's what's going to be going on. Uh, We're going to be there. Uh, We're going to be in the heavenlies at the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to each one give an account of ourselves, what we've done in the body. If we get a reward, if we don't get a reward, if our works go burned up with fire because the motive was wrong or we did it for a wrong reason, somehow or another, and it went up in fire, that's the judgment for us. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Uh, so the first judgment takes place is the judgment seat of Christ. The next judgment after we get done, uh, then that tribulation period uh, is going to be going on. Uh, so Isaiah talks about that in Isaiah 63, 1 through 6, and Revelation 16, 14 through 20. All right, verse 16, uh, the Bible said, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword. And his countenance was as a sun that shineth in its strength. All right, what would be a good cross-reference scripture for uh, that two-edged sword coming out of his mouth? What about uh, what about Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four and verse twelve? For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even the dividing sunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So John sees this and he describes it, but there's not really a, a big sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. What he's talking about is the Word of God. Uh, he is the Word. He speaks the Word. He fulfills the Word. So he's talking about the Word of God. Uh, and he, uh, he says there, uh, get back to my place again, and his voice was as the sound of uh, many waters. Is that what it says? It said, uh, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. I asked last week how many people had ever been to Niagara Falls and I think there's a few people raised their hand. All right. I had never been. Uh, I mean, my wife went to Cumberland Falls uh, yesterday, but there's a whole lot of difference between Cumberland Falls and Niagara Falls. But even there at Cumberland Falls, the water makes a lot of noise coming over. But I imagine it's probably deafening at Niagara Falls. Yeah, and so when he says that his voice was like the voice of many waters, he's, he means it's powerful. That's a powerful thing uh, when you see uh, when you see all that water coming over Niagara Falls. And you see that water. Uh, that's a powerful thing. And so his voice had power in it. His voice was loud when John heard it, and uh, he describes it as the voice of. Uh, many waters. And uh, then uh, he says, uh, His countenance is described by John as the sun that shineth in its strength. 
the Lord's often referred to as the Son. Look in Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. And it's talking about the Lord. But look at verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the S-U-N, not S-O-N, but the S-U-N of righteousness will arise with healing in His wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up uh, as calves in the stall. Uh, so He refers to Himself, John refers to Him as the, as the sun shineth in its strength. Uh, why is the Lord Jesus described as the sun? A lot of reasons. Yes, uh, uh, yes, light, light. Uh, the sun is the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Uh, not only uh, does it light this world, but the sun illuminates other bodies. And uh, when we think about Jesus being the light of the world, when we get saved, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but He said, I'm going away. And He said, now ye are the light. So now we're the light. Uh, where do we get our light? We get our light from Him. Uh, just like uh, the moon and other things. Uh, I think I did a lesson a few years ago about how moon was a type of the church and how it gets its light from the sun. Uh, so he's called a light for that reason. And then the light always, if we if we shut all the lights off, it's going to be dark in here. And when we flip them on, it's going to drive out all the darkness. And uh, so it's a type of the Lord that uh, that's why he's referred to as a sun. And then there's another thing about the sun. You got to have it to have life. He that hath the sun hath life. First uh, John five, twelve. So without him, you don't have any light. Uh, Revelations one and verse seventeen. Uh, Bible said, uh, and I and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He didn't say he was dead, but he said I fell at his feet as dead. Okay, John falls at his feet. There's a difference in the Bible. You can find where saved people fall at Jesus' feet like John did, and you can also find where lost people fall at His feet. But there's a difference. Anybody know what it is? Exactly. John fell forward. Saved people fall forward. But look what the lost people do in John 18, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon Him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? John 18, 4. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. 
And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Uh, I've noticed in all these charismatic uh, fake healers and preachers, uh, when they blow on them and, and they touch them and they fall, they always fall backwards. I've never seen one fall forward. Not one have I ever seen. But the Bible said when John turned around and he saw the Lord, the Bible said that he fell at his feet as dead. I'm positive that the reaction John had will be the first reaction everybody that gets to there and sees Jesus, that will be the reaction they will have. They'll fall at his feet. Uh, Max and Kathy's stepdad used to sing a song, uh, Look for me at Jesus' feet. And uh, so I, 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 think that's, uh, I think that song has got a good scriptural reference to it because I'm sure that when we all... Uh, someone told me one time at a meeting I was in, it was an older person, it was an older lady. I don't know what I'd preach, but evidently something along that line and she came to the door and she said, Brother Rick said, uh, said, I'll never see his face first. And I said, what do you mean? She said, uh, I'll see his feet before I ever see his face. And uh, I think that's probably true of all of us because we have so much to thank him for, as the song says. John is told to fear not. Do you ever notice how many times in the Bible the Lord tells us to fear not. I guess he knows we're all a bunch of chickens. We all run around scared to death all the time. Scared to live, scared to die, scared to move. And uh, so the Lord keeps saying, fear not, fear not, fear not. And uh, of course that's to His children, His people. He says, don't, don't fear. Don't be afraid of what man can do to you. Well, it's hard not to. Sometimes we was coming home yesterday from Cumberland Falls and and uh, Max Hill was sharing with me there where this couple was on their way to church. You may have seen it. A uh, couple was on their way to church and, uh, and this guy was a fugitive or something and he fell in behind them and, uh, and somehow or another got in their car and uh, made them take the, him to their house. She's about six months expecting and... Uh, and he kills her husband right in front of her. And uh, she does make it. He uh, didn't kill her. And then he shot himself, thank God. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, uh, you think about that, you can't grasp that. Uh, said a great young couple, fine young couple, on the way to church. I mean, folks, you can't think on stuff like that. You'd lose your mind. Uh, the only thing we can do is just uh, just uh, trust to the song we sang, Father Long, you know all about it. Father Long, you understand why. And Jesus said, what I do, you know not now, but you'll know hereafter in John 13. There's more things that you're not going to be able to explain in this world than there is that you're going to be able to. And this world, uh, this world is a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a wicked place, folks. And uh, and it's it's always been wicked, and it's uh, getting more wicked by the day because you have more. The Bible said that the wicked men 
would wax worse and worse, mean there'd be more of them and they'd do worse as time goes on. Uh, so that's the time we're living in. So John, uh, he fell at his feet and, uh, and the Lord said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, John. And uh, the Lord tells him why. He said, here's why you don't have to be afraid. I'm he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of hell and of death. And he said, I'm alive. You don't have, you don't have to be afraid of tomorrow because we know the one that holds tomorrow. Uh, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know the one that holds tomorrow. So he said, John, don't be afraid. I think the Lord would say that to us tonight. He'd say, uh, he'd say don't be afraid. Uh, I know what's going on. Uh, I've got a plan, and uh, my plan is going to work, and it's all in the process, but uh, sometimes you, you don't see how it's going to work, but it will. It's God's plan. Revelations 1 and 19, uh, well, verse 18, he said, uh, I, uh, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Have the keys of hell and of death. So, uh, John has lived as a, uh, or Jesus has lived as a prophet in the Bible. He is living now as a priest, and soon he will be coming as the potentate or the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords uh, when he comes back again. The tolls of the road will seem nothing when we come to the end of the way. It'll all make perfect sense when Jesus explains it then. When we get our, uh, when we get our glorified bodies, uh, when we get our uh, our perfect understanding, and we're not looking through a glass darkly, trying to figure out shadows and types and what's moving and what's the direction it's taking, but then when we see face to face, we'll understand it all then. But don't dwell on that stuff, because if you dwell on that stuff, the devil will use that stuff against you and uh, a lot of times you just have to say Lord I don't know why I don't know what's going on I don't know why it went on but Lord I I trust you I trust that you do Uh, that's all you can do as a child of God that's all God wants you to do is to trust him and uh, and believe he knows what's best revelations 1 and 19 he now gives John the outline of the book this is an important passage here very important passage he says write the things which thou hast seen the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter okay Uh, the Lord is given the outline for the book of revelations preachers use an outline Uh, the Holy Spirit I think that's where we get it from uh, a lot of preachers alliterate. I do a lot of alliteration. I noticed uh, Sunday Brother Kogel did alliteration. Alliteration means you start each point out with the same letter. The Bible's kind of laid out that way. Look over in, uh, let's see, uh, I think it's uh, Hebrews uh, 10, I believe. Let's try that. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, look look here. It's all through the Bible. There's places like this. But look at verse 22 through verse uh, 24. Verse 22, point 1. Let us, 
draw near. Point two, let us hold fast. Point three, and let us consider. Uh, you see, that ain't something just preachers do. I think it's something the Holy Spirit did uh, when He moved upon men to write the Bible. And the reason, the reason preachers do it is because it's easier to remember my points if they're all alliterated. I think the reason God did the Bible like that in so many places is because it's easier to remember the Bible if you know they start out that way. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's something that God has done to help us uh, memorize uh, the Bible better. But now here's the outline for the book. Okay, for the whole book of Revelations, the outline is right here in this verse. And he, and he gives three things here. He said, write thou uh, what thou hast seen. That's, that's chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. John has saw the Lord. Write what you've seen. The next one is, write the things which are. That's chapter 2 and chapter 3. The churches that are right there. Those seven literal churches. That's what is there. That's what's going on right then. And then he says, the things that shall be. That's chapter 4 all the way to chapter 22. He lays it out for you. Uh, you don't have to guess about it. Okay, you got uh, the things which he saw, the Lord Jesus, what we're studying tonight. The things which are, those seven churches that are there, they exist. And the things which shall be after. After what? After the church is gone. After the end of chapter 3, you won't find that word church anymore through the book of the Revelation. You won't find it in chapter 5 or chapter 6 or chapter 7 or chapter 8 or chapter 9. Look all you want, you won't find it. You say, why? It's not here. The church is gone. And after the church is gone, that's when the things that shall be start happening. Chapter 6 all the way through Chapter 22, of course, the church comes back in chapter 19 as the bride and as the army out of heaven. Amen. All right. Uh, we'll stop there tonight, and uh, that'll pretty much finish the introduction. And uh, next week we'll start into uh, chapter 2.